daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, good evening, everybody here. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, as always. And yes, guys, we are on the bye week. And like I've said all week, it's not been anything but week here for the bye week on Locked On Browns. Uh, we've got in our post game show with Pete Smith. We did our uh, PFF grades with John Costco. We've got Mark Sessler in this week. We've got Nathan Zagar in this week. We were able to sit down with our good buddy Jake Burns and, you know, basically assess this team after 10 weeks. Um, no game tomorrow, and that's fine, but uh, I still want you guys to have something to listen to. So we reach into the bag of tricks and we pull out an absolute ace here tonight from the uh, rookie scouting portfolio, uh, portfolio, the rookie scouting portfolio video section in everything he does um new studio he's moved on he's branching out and i'm so happy for him um you know for matt waldman it's it, it was a small room and if you guys follow matt and you got to see the pictures on twitter um a lot of guys including myself felt like we've actually been in that room you know in one way or another and now matt's going to move on and into just a bigger setup for a guy who does phenomenal work Guys, the one and only joining us this evening, Matt Walden. Hey, thanks for having me on. Right now, I'm in an extended stay for the next two months, so you should see my setup now. It's about, and you know, it's probably about five percent of the size of what my old office was like. <laughs> the small sacrifices we make for the bigger sacrifices, don't That's we? All, Matt? Right. Hey, That's Matt, right, man. It's worth it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, guys, there's so much we're gonna get here to this evening, and and to this point, we want to start off with this. You know, Matt, look, uh, so much is made, you know, when you bring in, you know, young players and you bring in a flux of them. And Cleveland Browns, with this offense right now, it it, it went from, you know, a Tyrod Taylor, a, uh, a Carlos Hyde, and now all of a sudden, you know, things got uprooted and realized it was just time to 100% go with the youth movement. The defense, which I do like, and I think they're strong group, a lot of it is based on youth and, and guys and togetherness. We're seeing this now from this Cleveland Browns offense, and it starts with a guy like Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, there's been some ups, there's been some downs, but Baker Mayfield is absolutely finding his way so far. And granted, he doesn't have every piece of the puzzle around him, but it's working out for him. It is, and I think I think finding his way is probably a good way of describing what's gone on thus far. Because when you look at the Jets game to begin his tenure. You know, he started off very confident. He came in there with the mindset of, I'm going to I'm gonna deliver the ball where I see the coverage leverage open up, and I'm not going to hesitate. And then as the season progressed and his and he had, you know, a few a couple of games under his belt, defenses started to pressure the edges and kind of contain him, keep him out, keep him from getting outside the pocket, and forced him to think a little bit. And as he started to think a little bit, he'd hesitate a little bit more, and you saw some mistakes there. Um, but last week was a good indication of a game where he got back to really, and part of that is going to be a sum of what his offense his coaching staff has done for him as well but to just keep it simple you know when you see it come open hit that foot in the ground deliver the ball um even if the the ball is not going to be absolutely perfect you know get it in there and give your receiver a chance to make the play on an open throw a good example of that was even one where he threw the ball a little bit behind david and joku last week over the middle um but joku was able to make the play but there were a lot of nicer plays you know where he was just delivering the ball and rhythm to wide open receivers and it's nice to see a, a quarterback go from you know not thinking much at all which is what you want 
to having a little bit more thrown at him and he was slowing down his process a little bit, hesitating to where he's got a little bit more renewed confidence. And maybe some of that is, again, what the offensive coaching staff has done for done for him in terms of the adjustments made what freddie kitchens is probably doing in contrast to what you're seeing with todd haley you know todd haley was doing and hugh jackson interfering or however you want to look at it (laughs) and then you know whatever those two were doing in terms of their their dysfunctional falcon crest soap opera and you can uh you now go back to let's just keep it simple let you do what you do best and that's and you're starting to see mayfield go through that and i think all rookie quarterbacks have to go through that process some never emerge from that level of hesitation and what ends up happening is that they start to go downhill because they're thinking too much and to see baker mayfield kind of emerge from that over a few games where he was hesitating at times in certain pivotal situations this was a good sign yeah and i'll go back to the charger game which was not a good day for him and Kyle Posey, obviously, guys, if you don't know, Matt knows, I know. He's, he does a fantastic job covering the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, coaches high school football. He's out in Arizona now. He understands the game very well, and he was one that was able to put up from that Charger game. There were throws that Baker wasn't making, and this was part of the, look, I don't have the elite line, or I don't have the, you know, where we're in, you know Aaron Rodgers can extend a play to, you know, six seconds or even Tom Brady, where now and then he gets five seconds. If you've got something open right away, take it. And everybody was, you know, for me, oh, you know, well, yeah, this is a problem, this is a problem. And, well, no, it is a problem, yes. But Baker Mayfield's going to go back, watch the tape, and say, oh, you know what, you know, sometimes four yards is better than throwing it away. Sometimes six yards is better than taking a sack. Sometimes seven yards is better than throwing a ball in a coverage that was not going to work out where Desmond King got him twice with two interceptions. And he was able to rebound from that. And he's starting to really come around. And when you see, I mean, like Brashard Perriman, who's kind of almost like a running joke in the NFL, finding some run here and finding a way to be serviceable. And then you go to the fact that it's Antonio Callaway and Rashard Higgins. None of these guys were drafted high. I don't think Baker needs, and this is one that we've gone through week in, week out here over the last couple of weeks, and it started earlier, uh, you know, this week with you know Odell Beckham and maybe the Browns or whatever. Matt, do does a quarterback, in regardless of the guy, but even a Baker Mayfield, or, you know, and these guys who can play everyone around them and make them useful parts, does it necessarily matter the wide receiver one with certain quarterbacks, or is it run a damn good route? And as long as you catch it when I throw it to you, we're going to be okay. Yeah, what we're really, yeah, what we're looking for here are consistent wide receivers who are going to be able to read the coverage along with the quarterback. And what you need is more than one guy. You're going to need multiple guys in that regard who are going to be able to do what they're supposed to do. That doesn't. It's nice to be able to have a a player who's going to match up against the best cornerback, and you can throw 50-50 routes to him, and he can come down and make incredible catches, and that's nice. But it's kind of the magic pill thinking that often comes along with um, fandom when they're looking at analysis. We need that wide receiver who's going to do incredible things. Well, yeah, that's fine, but you know the Atlanta Falcons had Roddy had uh, Julio Jones um, during the time when Roddy White wasn't doing much because he was on the downside of his career, and they really had nobody else, and they didn't have much of an offensive line. And that didn't help the Atlanta Falcons one bit, and I cover them on a regular basis down here um, at footballguys.com. So I can tell you just from experience of watching a number of teams that having a great wide receiver isn't as helpful as having a great offensive line. And the Browns still need some help on their tackles, 
you know, when they can get the outside of their line really in ship shape, and then you can also develop some experience with some of these younger receivers and then maybe bring in a couple of veterans to bolster that core and and they can just deliver in terms of being where they're supposed to be, making the catches that they're supposed to make. Um, then we can start worrying about, you know, the cherry on top, the icing on the cake, you know, the bow on the gift. Well, and that's the thing, because if you have to fill other positional needs, whether, it, you know, interior defensive line, whether it is you still need a left tackle, you know, and even still, like, and people, will, well, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Randy Moss, well, you know, that year was they went sixteen and zero. Bill Belichick was like, "Well, if you're going to give me Randy Moss and I've got everything else checked off, sure, I'll go ahead and take him." But to chase that now, when you still have significant holes, it, it, it's it's a nice luxury to have. But at the end of the day, you still want to have the best, you know, fifty two to fifty three that you have. If you can afford to add on a luxury, you go ahead and do it. But it, they're not there yet, and you know, and these, the fans are going to see it when you have a quarterback that can do what Baker does. Just you know, in the distribution of, and, and you know, everybody because it became really big, you know, last week because Terrell Pryor was cut, and you know, Browns fans he went to Ohio State, they want to bring him back, or you know, the talk of Odell Beckham. Well, the only receiver last week, the highest receiving total was thirty-nine yards, and the Browns beat the Falcons by twelve points. So it doesn't matter. Play the string, make it a baseball lineup, and have a little bit for everybody. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Randy Moss, but the year that Randy Moss, you know, was so great, they lost the Super Bowl. What about Troy Brown? What about Julian Edelman? What about Chris? David Hogan? What Patton, about da- uh, David Givens. There's, I mean, there's so many. Yeah. What about what about the Seattle Seahawks receiving core under Russell Wilson that beat those Patriots? Um, or didn't all, came close to beating those Patriots, but they beat the. They beat the Denver Broncos, who had handily. such a great defense, you know, handily. So, I mean, it really is often about it, – it's really about getting a good offensive line in place for Baker Mayfield because the best thing Baker Mayfield does is throw the ball in rhythm. If you give him a chance to be able to enact that play-action game and throw the ball when his back foot hits the end of the prescribed drop – and he can make his reads in time, that's great. Now, he's doing a nice job being able to get outside the pocket. That's always been a strength of his game, but is not the greatest strength of his game. He is not Russell Wilson. He is not Drew Brees. He is going to be his own entity, and that own entity doesn't have quite the outside-the-pocket skill that people expect because they saw it at Oklahoma. He's not that kind of athlete. He's good enough to make some plays like that, but you don't want you don't want to lean on him like that. You want him in the pocket making those drops in rhythm and giving him tackles so that you can supplement that ground game because you, you've really only seen about 80% of what Nick Chubb can do. And we'll get to that in a second here because uh, you know Matt's going to enjoy that. I'm going to enjoy that. But guys, you listen to Locked On Browns here with Matt Walden. Uh, you know the work he does is fantastic. Uh, my buddy Chris Manning over at Locked On Cavaliers. Uh, it's tough for him right now covering that team, and I understand him, you guys. You heard the episode with me and Chris together. It's tough when you have a team where you're not sure where anything is going. But Chris Manning is covering Locked On Cavs, and he's doing a fantastic job, guys. So put that in rotation for my Cavalier fans. Um, now, Matt, uh, this kid out of Georgia. Uh, Nick Chubb, um, first things first, and for any of my Browns listeners, if you do not know the severity of the injury and how gruesome it looked for Nick Chubb, 
if, if you don't want to see it, I get it, but go ahead and check it out. And it was almost at the point, and now Matt, you, me, all these guys, this is one of those ones where it was like, oh man, this kid may never play ball again. But now, here is where he's at, and I, as much as the big runs are the highlights of it, there has been so many 10 to 12 to 15 yard runs that could have easily gone in the house. I go back to the Tampa run where it was about 10 or 11 yards, got hit in the thigh, kickstand, and then drove his way through two tacklers, picked up another seven yards, finished the run though, and picked up the extra yard and a half. And there's just so much here. And, you know, I took a lot of heat because I, I from jump week one, Carlos Hyde, nah, you just got a better guy. You've got a better guy. You've got a better guy. You know, I don't know if anybody in that building listened, but not only did they board a plane to go to Tampa, um, they sent the running back to Jacksonville at the same airport at the same time to finally give this guy his run and a special, special guy. And even if you take out the 92-yard touchdown run last week against the Falcons, you're still well over 100 total yards. Some receiving, the pass blocking at since he's been a starter, has been solid. Look, you don't ask him to do it a lot because you don't need him to do it because he's going to be your bell cow. Nick Chubb, the guy, the player, just everything about the guy is a special, special player. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a guy that when I talked about, you know, really two years ago, even two years ago, we were talking about Ezekiel Elliott and people were talking about him. And I said, yeah, he's great. One of the best graded backs I've had. But if this if this Nick Chubb guy comes back from injury and and returns to the to health at the way that it looks like he was on track to do. We might be talking about him in that same conversation of of backs at that level. And I remember telling my buddy Gene Brammel, who's you know who does a lot of injury specialist work over at FootballGuys.com. We were coming back from the Senior Bowl, and I was telling him the severe of the the injury, and he didn't believe me at first because he said it was a rare injury, and you don't usually see someone come back from that as soon as he did because he tore every ligament but his ACL, and. You know, for him to come back within nine months and then have like a 32 carry game against North Carolina and then show the speed and the acceleration that he did. I mean, I watched, you know, I've been doing this for close to 15 years now and I've watched thousands and thousands of, of games on running backs. <laughs> and, and, you know, I probably watched more tape on Nick Chubb, not because I'm a Georgia fan. I mean, I, most people think of me as a Georgia fan because I went to school there. I've never even been to a Georgia game, and I worked at the university. I've been on the field about three times, and none of it was in the capacity of going to see a game. Um, but I watched his tape more times than any back because it was so good early on before the injury and then so much so post-injury that I wanted to make sure that I saw the burst back, that I saw the things that I was seeing and wanted to make sure there wasn't too much bias or any kind of bias involved with that. And from what I saw, you know, it was similar to what I saw several years ago when I there were two backs, one generational talent out of Oklahoma, who everyone knew was going to be the next great back in the pantheon of runners and Adrian Peterson. And then there was a back who, while Adrian Peterson might end up having better stats then, I thought as a complete runner, as what he could do right then from the jump, 
who ended up going to Buffalo was this back out of Cal by the name of Marshawn Lynch. And while people thought I was a little nuts to give Marshawn Lynch just a slightly higher grade than Adrian Peterson back then, I think you look at it now, and those two guys are still probably playing old man game on the league and ripping people up when they were at least healthy, at least Marshawn was. And you look at Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley, and I felt the same way. I liked, I actually liked Nick Chubb just a little bit better, even though Saquon Barkley was the obvious generational talent. And you look at it now, I mean, Nick Chubb is leads the league in yards after contact. Um, you look at what he's able to do in terms of being able to, to create between the tackles. He was by far the superior interior runner to, to Sony Michelle at Georgia. I think, don't think a lot of people really understood that, but because he and Michelle were guys who could um, both pass protect, both pass block, but Michelle was a slightly better receiver, a little bit more versatile. They used him more often in that capacity. But if you went back to Georgia tape, you'd see Nick Chubb as a freshman running Texas routes, running bullet routes up the seam and making difficult catches. And you could see that he could catch and track the ball very well. And they're starting to sh- give that give him a little bit more responsibility as a receiver um over the past few weeks averaging a couple catches a game and he, he's made some underrated catches in terms of you know some throws that were a little bit behind him so and as a pass protector i mean i thought barkley and michelle were probably the two best but chubb was not that far behind so you guys got a complete back you got the the best after contact runner in the class and i think the the smartest runner between the tackles in this class and one of the best and the best the highest graded back i've graded in five years so i i'm thrilled for cleveland to see that that this is working out yeah and, and that's the thing and the one thing i'll go to is you know i had when i was spoke with nathan zagara who actually covers the browns on a daily basis and he actually you know i just like it, it wasn't even about play style it was like you know tell me a little bit about nick chubb what you see being around this team every day and like they kind of they call him old school yeah, he comes in every day. It's all about football, and there's even times where part of the Cleveland staffs has got to just say, "Hey, look, it's Wednesday. <laughs> You're going to get twenty something carries on Sunday. Chill out, relax a little bit, you know." And, and, and that's where he's at with Nick Chubb, and that's just—I mean—he lives for the game every day. You know, Sony may have gotten some more of the highlight plays, you know, with the stretch runs, and obviously through the passing game. You know, um, with you know, for the uh, the pass reception to win the Rose Bowl to get them to the championship, um, it, all fun and good. And like me and Pete Smith, now we we went back on this for about seven months on Sony versus Nick Chubb, and I think we'll you know Pete's a tough guy, so maybe we'll just ultimately agree to shake hands and say, oh, maybe it's a draw. But look, Nick Chubb is the feature back. Sony Michelle, he may never get that true opportunity because he's in New England where it's. Week in, week out, this is the game plan. This is what we rock with. But Nick is, he's cemented. It's going to be 20 touches per week every week that he's capable of doing 20 touches. And it, it's just been so fun to watch. And he just, there's nothing big about him. He just thinks he's going about doing his job. And you barely saw any mention of him over the last week, you know, through social media, and he's just the type of guy he is. He just thinks he's doing his job, and it's just fantastic to see. And it, it, it's a huge thing because I think he's the quiet guy. Baker can be the guy that can put all everything on him, which makes things easier for everybody around him. So it's a fun, fun building block when you got those two as we go on further. But Matt, look, uh, as far as the Browns are concerned, um, look, obviously new head coach is coming. 
who knows where this staff is headed. What do you like for, I mean, you know, Baker, you know, and Nick, you've studied these guys. Are there some names out there, some, you know, coaching philosophies as far as, you know, play style that you think would fit these guys? Well, I mean, I think there's a wide range of styles that could fit them. I mean, I think that with Mayfield, you can see using an air raid or a spread or even a West Coast style, more of a traditional West Coast style. And all of those elements, I think, would work very well. You could even go to an Erhard Perkins style, and that would work fine too. But I'd like to see this team utilize a little bit more of i mean it's going to sound trendy because it's worked very well for what sean mcveigh's doing with the rams and what you're seeing with andy reed doing with the chiefs but the ability to simplify formations and just use you know 11 personnel more often than not or use 12 personnel uh, a fair bit and then and then vary the different types of plays off of these looks. So you're not having 8 million different formations. A good example is like a couple weeks ago, you saw the, the team use Duke Johnson in like several different ways as a receiver. And by the time they got back around to the same look they did earlier in the, in the game, Tampa Bay kind of sniffed it out. I think it was Tampa Bay or it was Pittsburgh. I think it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh sniffed it out and pretty much stuffed them you know, on the play, and it was a pivotal play later in the game. And that's kind of the pitfall of, like, doing a lot of different things because, as Justice Mosqueda at PFF said recently, it's like what Sean McVay understands is that when you you use a a smaller number of alignments and and defenses adjust – you figure out what their adjustments are, and then you adjust on top of that. If you use a ton of different alignments and looks, then you never know what the defense is adjusted to until later in the game, and it's too late for you to make another uh, set of adjustments because you, you've gotten well into the third or fourth quarter when you've started to figure it out. Um, so I'd like to see someone who actually kind of simplifies their looks and plays more of a, a basketball-style, soccer-style type of offense in the sense that it's about – you know, fewer looks and letting the team, the players understand what the adjustments are going to be and play off of that. So who are coaches that could be involved in that? To be honest with you, I really don't know. I mean, people could talk about Lincoln Riley and, and some of the big names there. Um, what I prefer, I would probably just say is I would just prefer someone who comes from that philosophy is what I described. And whoever that is, I'm, I would be good with that. Um, as long as that they're emphasizing the running game, as long as that they're involving players to their strengths and playing them to their strengths rather than trying to ramrod a, Simpson, uh, sim, a system down the throats of these players. Because I don't think the receivers they have right now are going to be extremely well equipped for a lot of different looks and a lot of different types of reads. They're young players, and some of them were never really all that great at being versatile um, in the running game. Um, And then you have Nick Chubb and what he can do. You have what Njoku can do. Um, But I would say those those are more about guys that getting them out in the space and giving them opportunities there. So why are you going to bring in a system 
that's going to then force you to have to get a whole new set of players or watch these other players struggle within it. So what I'm hoping for is a flexible coach, kind of in the same way that Frank Reich has been flexible in Philadelphia. Again, an Andy Reid type of guy um, who was a, who last week. I mean, he was using three tight ends in a in a four verticals look, you know, on one side of the field, and he was he was doing a lot with the personnel that he had and tailoring it to their strengths. So I just say that's probably the description is more of a new school thinking of coach rather than a, a dinosaur version of an old NFL coach who hasn't learned um, new ways. Well, and that's the thing because the one thing we talk about in Matt, look, you know, I've got two daughters. Um, you know, obviously your wonderful daughter, you've got to understand that when you're talking to these kids, you can't just say, this is the way it's going to be because I told you it's got to be here. I'm going to tell you this and here's reason. And if you're talking like for your daughter's age, for my kid's age, it's not reason A and B it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, you've got to give them everything because these kids are well-schooled, they're well-versed in what they do, and especially these guys who are in the NFL, they know they know what they're doing football-wise, whether it's the 11-on-11 and it's the, you know, the, the flag camps. These kids do so much football, and it's not just like we talk about how we cover the league 365 days a year. For these kids, they are to the point now where they are almost playing football 10 to 11 months as young as 13, 14 years old. They know the game and they smell the BS. Yeah, and it's about it's about being sophisticated. It doesn't ha- in terms of how you deal with people. You know, I mean, yeah, if you've got a if you've got a three year old or a seven year old, <laughs> you know, or a ten year old kid, you're going to have varying degrees of because I said so. You know, and it's establishing that discipline. But as you get older, you know, you and and these aren't kids anymore. I mean, they may be kids relative to our age, but you know, these are these these are adults, and you got to treat them like men. You know, and you've got to be able to. And then part of it too is just understanding what's good for what's best for you, you know you and your team, and what's best for your team is to let your athletes do the the thinking and diagnosis of situations but putting them in simple enough um concepts where the game is being played on the field rather than it being like the the offensive coordinator playing madden and thinking that he's got a joystick and has all this time to make all these different fun little adjustments and cheat code adjustments on the uh you know with his little joystick there because it's a completely unrealistic scenario but some of that too has been part of that top-down thinking sometimes where um owners and gms give these coaches saying well we brought you in here to put your system in here we want what you did and they want all the bells and whistles and and what ends up happening is that they're basically buying a you know they're buying some you know lamborghini that's going to break down at the side of the road because you have one driver who really understands how to drive it and it's and it's the not the guy that should be behind the wheel of it you know and when you could just get yourself a toyota prius that runs really well (laughs) might be kind of ugly looking you know it may you know i mean look compare you know relative i mean saquon barkley looks like a lamborghini but the the line that he's got you know the surrounding talent that he's got you know he's going to be you know that offense is going to be the shop all the time nick chubb is like basically a 
uh, you know, an old Ford pickup truck, you know, that yep. that's basically that that still has a steel body and an engine that can run for, you know, run for hundreds of thousands of miles. I mean, you're going to be looking at a guy who might be your next Frank Gore in terms of longevity in this league or maybe Peterson or Lynch. I mean, you look at those two guys and I just laugh because you just see what those guys have to offer and how they're still running through, running over and running around. Uh, you know, younger players left and right. And it's because they come from, they have that kind of special skill. And so you want to, again, just take advantage of what you know that's special about your team. And, and part of that too, isn't, isn't about you, the coach. It's about you. It's about your players around you. Let them make you look great. And, and I think that the younger coaches or the coaches who've made the adjustments are beginning to understand that. Well, I think part of it is it's the all-day mentality. You know, whether it's an Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Peterson, it's his nickname. It's a Nick Chubb. Everywhere he went, it was give him the ball, give him, give him all his reps. It, that's just the way he knows it, and, and that's what makes it fun to see it all correlating for him and him, you know, look, throw me the ball. I'll, I'll do this part of it too. And you see the way it's working out for him. It, it, it's just so much, so much fun. And the success that they're having, granted, it's only three wins, but it is to this point where they are succeeding with it. Um, Matt, as we go on a little further here, um, one question. Look, I'm gonna. I got two questions left. First one is draft Minkies. Come on, I, I need an X here. Is there anybody that's caught your eyes here? I, I need a big guy. Is it maybe a young man from Iowa State? Uh, anybody here catching your eye? We need. We need a big receiver to succeed here. <laughs> you know, I haven't watched Akeem Butler yet. Um, I've watched about 45 receivers right now, and Butler only, isn't. Only. Only, yeah. I've watched, yeah, I've only watched. I'll probably be watching about 70 or 80 by the time when it's all over. Um, but guys that that kind of strike me that can give you some of that X um, look who might be interesting. I mean, two guys off the bat that at, you can probably get at different levels. One is Ty, Tyree Brady out of Marshall. Um, I like Brady. I think that he's the type of guy who can give you that. He's not on the level of AJ green, but I think that he's, he's someone that can be a starting X in this league. Um, win the ball, be, you know, plays tough. He's a guy that's going to be able to make the boundary plays and get open. And a guy who's maybe later who, if you know, you're trying some, you know, you're, how would I best put it? You you probably might take him as your you know second or third receiver on your you know on your list, but down the line, I'm a big Emmanuel Butler fan out of Northern Arizona. Um, this kid's like six three, two twenty, and he might end up being more of a flanker than an X because we'll see about his speed. Um, but he's someone that his ability to go up and win the ball, what he can do after the catch is pretty good. But he is a strong player at the catch point. And then of course we have, if he can stay healthy, DK Metcalf (laughs) out of Ole Miss is certainly a fun, fun looking player who can provide, um, you know, some nice skill for you in terms of his ability to win the ball in the air and to be able to get open, you know, in a one-on-one scenario. Um, I'm going to throw one more in here, Matt. And guys, I gave this to Matt earlier this evening. Reggie White, Monmouth University. Six foot three, two ten. Um, today versus Gardner Webb, ten catches for two hundred and twenty yards. Special, special young man. 
Now, Matt, this one actually is a group question, and it only comes from me and Pete Smith. But we're going to give you this one. Are the Browns courting you back? Are you getting closer? I, I Matt, guys, if nobody knows, Matt is a fan of teams, schemes, and coaching. The way, and that's the way Matt follows NFL teams. Matt, are we close here? Do we have a rose waiting for you? Are you going to take it? <laughs> Man, it's so funny. I mean, I'm a, I, I'll always be a Browns fan, and I've always been a Browns fan. It's, you know, but I, it's, it's hard for me to say that, you know, after, after the team leaving, you know, that, that's when I kind of started following other teams and being fans of schemes and things like that. And I haven't been a big fan of, you know, all the things that were going on around it, but I've always hoped the Browns would win. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be quite the fan that I was of any team, um, that I was with the Browns in the seventies, eighties and early nineties. Um, but I'm, you know, the fact that, the fact that they drafted what I thought was the best back that I've seen in five years who happened to be at the school where I majored in running back studies um, <laughs> as, a, as an undergrad, you know, it was certainly it's a great first funny. step. It, it, so many it, Georgia backs. So, I mean, I go back to Garrison Hurst and Tim Worley. I mean, you can go back. Yeah, and I was, They've always had backs. That's where I was in school. I was covering the. I was covering that team when Garrison Hurst and Terrell Davis were were on that team. Um, you know, so that that was when I, I. And before that, I was. You know, I was at the school that we will not mention that also had a pretty darn good running back um, alumni and and Frank Gore and you know and and guys and McGahee and Portis and Edger and James. We can't even um, have that conversation know. right now. Right, <laughs> it's but, not so. working for either one of us. <laughs> but I. But yeah, I'm I'm certainly I'm rooting for the Browns. What I've really enjoyed seeing this year from the beginning is how well that defense played. And I know they've been banged up recently, but watching Miles Garrett and Ogan Joby and Schobert and getting a chance, and of course Denzel Ward and the terrific job that he's done and Kirksey, I, what I see is is a line that's becoming more relentless with their pressure and you're seeing more intelligent play in the middle of the field and also at the boundaries and and you're getting beginning to see the makings of a tough hard-hitting high-pressure defense that to me is the the type of defense that i grew up watching and it's been fun to watch to me, that's been the most exciting thing um, is to watch that defense. And so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely, I, I, you know, I've always been a fan, but I, I'm definitely will say that uh, it, it's definitely becoming a, a more and more fun to watch them every week. Yeah, it, it's been fun, and especially the defense because the defense it, it it's fast and it's like they're all in sync. And, you know, when you, you know, obviously when you're out of a couple of guys, it, it, it's been tough and there were a couple of weeks there. But what they did to Atlanta last week in Atlanta, and you see Matt Ryan throwing shit down on the sidelines, aggravated. And, you know, it, what, oh, man. Oh, Let no, me no, tell no. you something about that, too, which is fun. Because the little, while the stats say that Matt Ryan is the best against pressure, the not, the dirty little secret about Matt Ryan that I've watched for years and years. Dirty, doesn't like a dirty pocket. Yeah, is that he does, yeah, he is, if that pocket is not pristine, he has some issues, and he is not a, he, he has some issues against pressure, and it was funny how, to begin this game, you know, the, the, the television crew was like, Matt Ryan told us, 
you know, during our interviews this week that, you know, the Browns are a much better than team than their record and that they have concerns about that defense. And to begin that game, they ran more bootlegs. They ran more outside the pocket and design plays, throwing to tight ends than I have seen all year. And again, I, I literally watch that. I cover that team and do summaries of games for them weekly for the past 10 years and i've never seen them overreact schematically so much to one team than the, what they did against cleveland and as a result they over i thought they overthought it a little bit yeah um, because then, even, even early on in the game it was like well austin hooper his fourth reception austin yeah. hooper, and these guys were like man i don't even know if i have austin hooper in my play sheet right now exactly you know and so it's it's one of those deals where Ryan what Ryan was dangerously close to becoming David Card um or Derek Card um you know uh, when when they ended up getting Mac from Cleveland you know when Alex when they got Alex Mac that was great but they still didn't have the rest of the line and when they had turned that corner, it was because that summer against Miami with Indomitian Sioux in Miami, they were playing in the preseason, and Ryan was starting to just give up, like just starting to throw the ball at the feet of people, was just like not able to not able to deal with it. And that team went out and made acquisitions that is unheard of for August. You never see teams rebuild their line in August. They literally acquired, I think, three players in August. Two of them were starters, and that and that helped that team. But if they hadn't have done that, uh, I think that Matt Ryan's career would have taken a downward turn. And he is a heck of a quarterback. He is a very good NFL quarterback. But you know, pressure is an issue for him that is a little dirtier of a secret than what the stats indicate. And and Cleveland got his respect and got the got that offense's respect um, to the point that they over game planned for what Cleveland does, which is a telling thing about where this defense is heading. Absolutely, one hundred percent, guys. This has been locked on Browns with Matt Waldman here. Uh, guys, we've gotten a Baker, we've gotten a Chubb. Some potential fits here offensively. Guys, if you're not listening to the Matt Waldman rookie, scoring, uh, rookie scouting portfolio or the podcast or buying the rookie scouting portfolio, guys, go ahead and do that. Matt is just that good. And the other thing is you get a lot of knowledge. Whether or not you agree with a player assessment, you get a lot of knowledge about it, and that is the most important part of Matt's work. He helps me and so many others just get better in the craft that we do. Um, Matt, we're going to close it here, but uh, give me some thoughts here. What are you What are you looking forward to here over the next six weeks of the NFL season? You know, obviously Cleveland Saints. I mean, there's just so much fun stuff here. The NFC battle for the playoffs is going to be very intriguing. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's been a fun. <laughs> Yeah, it has been a fun year. I'm sitting here looking at some Patrick Mahomes shirts that I had that I helped design with a guy by the name of um, Jack Perkins at, at Pure Hoop. He does some work that TNT commissioned for basketball. But uh, but anyway, I you know, so I'm looking forward to the Patrick Mahomes Jared Goff duel um, on Sunday. Oh my! Or I think it's Sunday night. Monday, That's going to be night. fantastic. Monday night is going to be so much Monday fun. night. Yeah, I normally don't care about Monday night football, but this week I am definitely intrigued. Yeah, I mean that should be a fantastic 
um, that should be a fantastic game. I'm interested to see, you know, I, I've been a Seattle fan for a little while, but because they reminded me of the 80s Cleveland Browns, and now they're starting to see a little bit more of that because of the run game and success they've had there. So I'm hoping they've been playing teams pretty well. I'd like to see how how that team continues to improve over the course of the year, especially with Doug Baldwin getting healthier. Seeing Houston, I'd like to see where Houston and Indianapolis go in terms of that division in the AFC South because there's, with Jacksonville kind of dive-bombing there, and you're starting to see the offenses emerge with Deshaun Watson and Kiki QT coming, um, getting healthy again, hopefully, and staying healthy at the right time with the addition of Demarius Thomas. That offense could be good. And with what Indianapolis has been doing um, with their offensive line emerging and then being able to do a little bit more. I think that that's going to be a fun team, especially keep your eyes on Deion Kane, the wide receiver for out of Clemson who's hurt this year. But next year, I'm interested to see how he fits because he could give you that kind of slow emerging Devontae Adams type of figure in that offense within the next two to three years. So those are some of the teams that have, you know, kind of interesting me um, in addition to what Cleveland's going to do down the stretch, especially, you know, again with Mayfield and how this offense emerges in terms of, you know, can, you know, Higgins continue to develop in this offense and are they going to be able to start to make some tweaks in ways that maybe we see a little bit more from some of these receivers down the stretch. Yeah, and it's been fun to this point. I want to I want to see it keep going, and everybody who was just trying to bring people in here, let this play out because look, there's guys here who you want to evaluate. You know, you need to see more of Antonio Callaway. You need, I mean, even still, I mean, and I go back to it again, Brashard Perriman. You need to see more of it. Here's a guy who has no future after this year, so if he can find a way to contribute somewhat, and even if it's a one year deal or a small deal. Keep keep the pattern growing because you want to keep it comfortable for Baker. You know what you have in Nick. You know you need offensive tackle help. Uh, the defense, one or two guys away from being, I mean, a league-dominant group. It, 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 Matt, I'm loving covering this team right now. I'm enjoying it because even though the record doesn't reflect it, it's a fun product. Yeah, I'm glad that you are, and it is a fun product. And and you're right about letting them see what happens because you have to remember, yeah, maybe Willie Sneed wasn't awesome. Maybe Taylor Gabriel isn't great. But those are two guys who are starting the NFL right now because the Cleveland Browns in their in the past have been too impatient and too ready to strip the cupboard bare year after year yeah. after year. And so sometimes you have to let things evolve, just like we saw with Seattle, just like we saw with New England. Some of these players who've emerged didn't just all of a sudden become good. Adam Thielen, if he were in Cleveland and started off, they might have said, well, Laquan Dreadwell is the guy we signed to the big contract. and We got Stefan Diggs now, and he's done well. Let's cut this Thielen guy, even though he's done well in camp. You know, um, that's what the Cleveland Browns mentality was, you know, until now. So we don't, you got to give them a chance to see if you're going to have any guys who can emerge like a Thielen um, down the line. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and the pieces are starting to come into place from previous regimes, this regime, and – we're going to, you know, and some of those are really key components. I'm so excited about Denzel Ward. I can't even see straight. So having that half, then get another, then get another corner like that. Then get another corner in the draft who can, you know, be his compliment, man, this is going to be fun. 
Absolutely, and that and that's one of the biggest needs because everybody they want to go wide receiver. For me, left tackle, maybe D line or corner. Get yourself a couple more pieces at the integral positions because Baker can eat with what he's got. Guys, this has been Locked On Browns, episode two eighty. The wonderful Matt Waldman joining us here to give you a breakdown of where this team is at, Baker, Chubb wise, some future looks to this team. Uh, guys, if you do not <laughs> know who Matt Waldman is. I suggest you follow him. I suggest you get into the RSP film room. I suggest you subscribe and get yourself a copy of the RSP Rookie Scouting Portfolio. He does phenomenal work. The Lockdown Browns Twitter account, we keep it as a follow-back account. Guys, always go ahead and follow that. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, it's been a fun ride here through the bye week. We're going to get back to some normalcy now. We'll get to our crossover episodes, get to our pregame shows, all that stuff here. But I hope you've enjoyed everything we put out here the last week. And, guys, I, I assume you have because it was the most downloaded week ever for Lockdown Browns. And I appreciate you guys always for that. iTunes rating reviews. It means a ton. Until we, th- uh, <clears throat> until we talk the next time, guys. L- uh, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB. You guys know that. We'll talk soon.